Hello and welcome to Savouring Change, a podcast by the Brighton and Health Food Partnership, where we highlight the people and projects that are using food to bring about positive change for individuals and for our cities. We dig into the main issues that we work with every day as a food partnership, unpicking some of the complexity around food and exploring in more depth why it's such an important issue for our cities. This episode is all about food in prisons as I chat to Gemma Buckland from Do It Justice about her involvement in the very recently released Food Matters in Prisons briefing. The Food Matters in Prisons briefing was released a few weeks ago and provides an illuminating insight into the state of food systems within prisons. It shines a light on the crucial role that food can play in creating a more rehabilitative prison environment and advocates for a shift in perspective on the role of food in prisons stating that food should be more than just a function of prisons, but a focal point for building a more rehabilitative culture within UK prisons. The report lays out some clear steps and recommendations that can be taken to achieve this, and I would say it's recommended reading for anyone who wants to understand more about food systems. The briefing was written and organised by Food Matters, a non-profit organisation that we work very closely with, as we share an office with them in Brighton and Hove. They focus upon resourcing and enabling people to feel empowered and make positive changes to their local food systems. And part of their work doing this is working directly with people serving prison sentences, supporting people inside prisons to make better food choices. Particularly, Food Matters focus upon the positive role that food can play and the normalising influence it can bring to life in prisons. And their framing is always on creating a more rehabilitative culture inside and out of prisons by using food. In this conversation, I chat to Gemma about her involvement in writing the Food Matters in Prisons briefing, about the state of food systems within prisons, the transformative potential of food, and why it's important that we improve prison food systems. Gemma, who I'm speaking to today, spent 12 years working as an advisor to the Justice Select Committee in the UK Parliament, which is the committee that scrutinises the spending, work and policies of the Ministry of Justice, meaning that Gemma has a thorough understanding of political structures and policies surrounding the prison system. And she is now the director of Do It Justice, a research and advocacy consultancy advising on matters around criminal justice. But Gemma, thank you for being willing to chat today. And I'm looking forward to chatting to you a bit about the process of writing this report and um, your opinions on the importance of food within the prison system. But to start us off, I just want to ask you a little bit about your work at Do It Justice. So you spent 12 years working as an advisor to the Justice Select Committee, which brought you into close contact with many of those who legislate within prisons. Can you tell us about how this experience led you to establishing Do It Justice and what you do in Do It Justice? Thank you very much, Ruth. I'm really pleased to be here to talk to you about this re- report, which has kind of kind of brought together two passions of mine, which are criminal justice and food. Um, I've been really fortunate to be able to um, work with Food Matters on this piece of work. Um, before I joined the House of Commons, I trained as an academic researcher and I'd also worked in the voluntary sector. And um, while I was in Parliament, I um, supported MPs to make influential recommendations to change government policy. But I've looked at, at, at kind of policy making and 
the impact of policy from various different perspectives in my career. And I wanted to do something that kind of brought everything together. Um, and in particular, I really wanted to work with small voluntary sector organisations to give them a stronger voice. I noticed when I was working in Parliament that um, small organisations can find it really challenging to be heard. And while it's really important that um, organisations come together um, through infrastructure organisations like Clinks, for example, I think it's also important that policy, that small organisations themselves have a have a voice at the table. So I set up Do It Justice to enable me to kind of choose work that aligns more with my values and my interests and makes better use of my expertise to make a bigger difference kind of from the ground up rather than top down. That's really interesting. Thanks, Gemma. So what, <clears throat> what is it that makes it difficult for small organisations to be heard within the prison system? I think it's really purely the matter of size. I think um, the organisations are very often focused on frontline delivery, on actually supporting the people that are living and working in prisons. And so the kind of influencing policy side of things, um, it, it it's not so much of a priority. And I think there's real value in bringing people together to try to um, strengthen their voice and I think that's what we've tried to do with this um, with this piece with this report we've brought lots of people from different perspectives together around a single issue which obviously has huge you know range of kind of dynamics related to that issue um, and to try to kind of elevate the status of, of food in prisons and and kind of broaden people's horizons and vision in terms of what role it could play. Nice. Yeah. And from your perspective as someone who's spent a lot of time working with like close proximity to the criminal justice system, why is it important that we work to improve the food system within prisons? <clears throat> well, everybody has to eat and everybody benefits from good, nutritious food. And sharing and eating food is a really a core part of prison life. Um, preparing and eating food gives structure and ritual to, to the prison day. And it can be a source of comfort and connection. But um, less positively, it can be linked to the informal economy in prisons and can also be a source of harm. I think food is also um, something that's quite iconic in prison history. Um, many people in society don't really have contact with prisons, but it's relatively well known that food's previously been used as a, a kind of source of punishment and deprivation, you know, feeding people gruel and the TV drama Porridge. Um, and I think that makes it a very emotive subject as well. And it's important that balances are struck in terms of prisons policy and how good, nutritious food can be provided on limited budgets for people who are, you know, living in living in prisons. Previously, I'd worked in um, homelessness and substance misuse kind of research, and uh, I did some I did some work with um, young people who were. Um, experiencing homelessness um, a long time ago for the Home Office. And something that really struck me when I was talking to them, and I interviewed a lot of, of young people over a year or so, was that some some people who are homeless actually want to be in prison. And because it provides them that comfort, that, um, you know, not just shelter, but also knowing that you will get three meals a day. And for some people that is not present in their um, you know wider life um, so I think it's important to understand that as well and 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 the other thing is that every you know everybody needs to eat I think um, prison officers 
and people in prison alike. And so in that sense, I think it could provide a real source of kind of wider connection than perhaps it does now. Thanks, Gemma. That's really striking what you're saying about homeless people wanting to be in prison because it's somewhere that provides them with nutrition. I didn't realise that was something that actually, um, yeah, was happening out on the streets. But mm. I guess back to, back to what you're saying about prisons as well and the fact that um, everyone needs to eat and that it can be a form of like connecting people. I guess that kind of builds upon um, something that the report says, which is that um, food ideally should be like a focal point within prisons. So something that helps promote like a broader range of actions and activities across prison life. Um, I was wondering if you could give us an example of what you think this could look like within prisons. Like how could food be used holistically, I guess, within a prison? Yeah, I think because of its kind of central importance in prison life and we've said, you know, prison is a function rather than a focal point. And I think that's, you know, it's in terms of people's thinking around the role that food plays, it's it's primarily in terms of delivery of a prison service around how do we make sure the catering function and the canteen function work effectively. And um, but the conversations that we've been having and the wider literature, et cetera, just demonstrates the much wider um value that that food could have right across prison life so we're talking about things like building relationships so between pris uh, prison officers and people in prison between different groups of prison different cultures um sorry groups in prison different cultures um bringing people together around um you know celebrating food or celebrating particular cultures on particular days understanding much more about culture through food I think it's um equalities is something that's sometimes very hard for prisons to kind of do well because there are so many you know different different cultures ethnicities race melting pot in prison it's like how do you actually kind of bring people together and and we think that that we think that food could <clears throat> provide a really important kind of um focal point for that kind of activity is also already used in lots of different ways to kind of promote employability, to promote education and, and social skills. In some places, there are self-catering opportunities and people can, um, you know, come together around that food preparation and then sharing and then sharing food and enjoying it afterwards. It, so food is already used in, in lots of different ways in prison and I think it's really about kind of just bringing that to the fore and bringing it to the forefront of people's minds in thinking about how you could diversify um, the way in which we think about food in prison. So, for example, it's already used in promoting education, promoting um, social skills to a degree, like actually learning how to cook, um, that kind of process of sharing food. It's also used for boosting employability. There are lots of examples of um both in terms of the, the prison catering itself, people learning culinary skills, but also um, companies or charities coming in and, and supporting people in prison to, to learn new skills in, in both catering and hospitality um, and, and also kind of a growing projects. I think that there's a, an opportunity to kind of spread those initiatives that are happening in pockets. Um, it's also about um, improving engagement and safety and compliance. Um, so it can be used as a kind of a, a tool, as I said, you know, for bringing bringing people together, for 
fostering kind of inclusion um, rather than kind of promoting difference, which quite often happens in prisons. Um, the, the kind of link to physical and mental well-being is 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 relatively obvious, but I think it's probably not um, made as much as it potentially could be. Um, and there are opportunities, if you, you know, peer support, like food champions, people teaching each other around about nutrition, um, and the importance of good eating and the kind of menu choices and things like that. Um, the link with physical activity and kind of meaningful activity. So that can include, you know, just horticulture for the sake of being outside and um, enjoying getting your hands dirty and seeing something grow and, and nurturing it rather than necessarily for the purposes of producing something for a kitchen. Um, um, it can also be used, I've seen it used in um, other jurisdictions, so internationally to kind of bring together families and kind of foster those connections or enable those connections to be maintained whilst somebody's in um, prison. So providing kind of family spaces where you can cook and prepare you can prepare and cook a meal um, and then share in the eating of that together it's it's kind of um normalized it can be normalizing to a degree um and and then there's also the link to kind of reducing reoffending both in terms of skilling giving people the skills to um potentially get work when they go out to also you know contribute to family life um in a, in a, in meaningful ways by you know preparing food and and being able to have those kind of culinary skills um, and it also kind of creates a sense of agency because so much of um, prison life is kind of being done too, um, that um, it, it can enable people to, you know, if they can purchase food and, and prepare it, um, it, it, it enables them to, to have something that they can have a degree of control over whilst they're in an environment that, that doesn't necessarily feel like, feel like they have control. Um, for a large degree of time and that's important for people's mental health and well-being thanks Gemma that, um, yeah it strikes me at the beginning of when you were talking you said that everyone like at its core everyone has to eat like it's something that is intrinsic to so many activities that you're doing every day and some of those examples you just went through I feel like they really bring that to life that when you're working with food you're not necessarily doing something super radical. You're working with things that pe you're working with something that people are using in their everyday life already, but you're just flipping it a bit so that you're kind of using it positively. Like it was interesting yeah. to hear what you're saying that these things are already happening in prisons. Like you know, we're not like there are already some places that have self catering options. There are some places where you do have food growing initiatives. So it's not like um, <clears throat> with this report doesn't ask that we completely change the food system mm. it's just that we enhance these things that already exist and connect them up to make it wider I yeah. guess that is I, th I think it's really about becoming more conscious of the role that food can play and and then trying to be more creative about how you bring how you bring that in so for example if you want to have a difficult conversation around you know cultural norms that um that might differ or you know misogyny or race or hate crime or any of those things you can you know bring somebody bring groups of people who might have very different perspectives together around sharing food just to create the space in order to have that conversation and because of the nature of food in prison it will always be a draw for people to be getting something different to 
the sharing food in a different space and lots of people can you know there's lots of energy that goes into trying to put on those kinds of or to have those kinds of conversations to hold space for those difficult and challenging things that need to be talked about but are often kind of brushed under the carpet um and using food can 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 really kind of open doors and open people's um kind of willingness to to be involved in that kind of conversation because food is can be such a draw for people um and I think it's it's how do you think about those kinds of things and I I mean in my other work I've been kind of trying to sort of raise raise the idea of using food more you know in in improving prison safety for example as I've said um and things like that and I think it's just something that people maybe haven't necessarily considered even though it's there Uh, as you know as we say everybody needs to eat and it's such an important part of everybody's daily life and yet it's not really necessarily considered in terms of the kind of wide range of of ways it, it could be used yeah you said bringing conscience to it which I think is so crucial it's mm. just kind of it's like kind of a I guess almost like opening people's eyes to the fact that it it is it's something that everyone has contact with within a prison so if you are creative about how you use it you can use that as a way to have like meaningful impact and I really like the mm. example that you used there about using it as a way to bring people together to have difficult conversations and also as a way to build bridges because yeah I think it's, I mean, outside of prisons, you see that off, like you see that, mm. you see the impacts that has. Um, but what, what do you think some of the main barriers are that we face to reforming the food system within prisons? Like if there's already food within there, um, why, is it, why isn't it getting used more creatively mm. or meaningfully? Yeah, undoubtedly there are barriers. And, you know, everybody knows the challenge of, um, of resources. It's ever present. But I do believe that people working in prisons have, everybody has a degree of agency. And I think it is about, as I said, sort of thinking a bit more differently and creatively about things that need probably to happen anyway. So there's a really interesting um, report and blog from the Inspectorate of Prisons, which is trying to to look at um, uh ethnic diversity and prison officers and um people in prison and and actually the kind of commonalities in um between the people in prison and the um and the prison officers was really interesting in terms of their experiences um and food was used as an example of of how you might be able to kind of foster that foster those connections and better conversations um and i think so that kind of gives food for thought um excuse the pun in terms of sort of how relatively simply just by bringing people together you can actually make a difference and realize that um the staff and the people in prison are to a degree experiencing different uh, sorry very similar things and i think um quite often in prison there's a sort of you know um a big divide between the staff and and the people in prison um and as you you know you know you mentioned earlier the kind of idea of of bridging i think um it's it's a good way of bridging that divide and actually humanizing i suppose and um the that relationship between people in prison um and prison officers um and others you know working in prison leadership etc i think um it's really interesting to me that the inspector is being creative in in that way 
Um, so it doesn't, it, there's a way of kind of trying to open up this conversation, which is not necessarily just about, um, you know, prisons having to do things differently, but also the way in which we scrutinise could be done differently. So in terms of our other barriers, I think um, what we're proposing in the report is quite a significant cultural change. The the kind of, I suppose, mentality largely around food has been, it as we, as we discussed, it, it's a function. It's not necessarily seen as something that, um, that could touch other aspects of, of prison life. Um, it's more than just the sort of kind of sourcing and providing of food. And I think thinking about that and how you might use it as a tool to bring people together more, it, it is a kind of it's a different way of thinking. Um, and another kind of quite key barrier is that the infrastructure just isn't there in quite a lot of prisons for the preparation of food from scratch. So what's happened over the years is that in, a, in an attempt to kind of drive down um, prison budgets, um, the spaces have become more cramped. There's less space for people to eat. There's there's the kitchens are geared up for heating food, not necessarily um, cooking food from scratch. And the outdoor spaces have been constrained by you know expansion. Um, and you know prison farms um, have been um, kind of largely become redundant. And um, so prisons were at some at what at a previous point like much more self sufficient than they are in terms of growing and preparing growing the growing the food and then preparing it from scratch but there's a way to go if the to to make the prison infrastructure um now suitable for that but i think if there's a recognition of it then it's something that we can start working of its importance then i think that we that's something that we can start you know working towards and should be built into into planning um processes that's really interesting. Yeah, if you can find a way to um, like communicate the value and worth of making food more of like an integral part of prisons, I guess that's really important to be able to, yeah. to do this work because you're right, if, if prisons are primarily driven on like lowering costs, then the easiest solution is just to like, you know, cater en masse mm. without giving people agency. But I think if you're able to kind of demonstrate that there is value in things such as like well-being and rehabilitation and security and education, then hopefully that allows more informed choices about how, I don't know, about how space is used in prisons. Um, I think there's some kind of wider, you know, societal ch- shifts that are happening too, that I think it's important that prisons are reflecting around, you know, sustainability. Um, I think it's important to consider the kind of wider environmental agendas and the roles that prison can can play in that. You know, as a society, we are um, needing to become more sustainable in terms of how we prepare our food and produce our food, um, you know, food waste, all of those things. And I think, A, that's a a learning opportunity for people in prison. But also, I think, you know, it's a responsibility that um, all public services should be trying to um, find ways to 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 contribute to the kind of wider good in terms of our environmental impact and i think um you know there are some really good examples of um of prisons trying to do that i just think it, it yeah that it it could go much 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 further and again food is a way that you can draw out that connection for people i think like you can use it as a lens for the wider public onto the fact that prisons also can be more sustainable and should be more sustainable there's a lot of of really challenging things happening in prison the um you know 
they're very tight resources there are real challenges in terms of retaining staff and keeping staff motivated people are spending a lot of time in their cells because it's not possible to unlock um unlock them for large parts of the day um and there's a lot of despondency um and i think there's also a kind of a slight uh, a kind of loss of not even slight i think there's a kind of loss of hope in terms of you know what can we do in these circumstances and i think that food has the opportunity to kind of bring a bit of light into into that darkness um and a bit of sense of hope um where some things might feel quite hopeless um and i think it all it it just takes kind of one one idea or one person or you know champions who who want to think a bit differently and think about the culture and think about how how food might be um you know brought bring people together um in these you know very challenging circumstances that's a really powerful point and again it comes back to something i feel like um it's becoming clear for me throughout this <laughs> this conversation that the, the power of working with food is that it's already there within prisons. Mm. So even if you're working in like a challenging environment where people are feeling despondent or they're feeling under-resourced or it's difficult, like food already does exist. So there's a starting point there. And you did already mention that there are organisations and like there are groups already doing some of this work and some prisons already doing this work. Yeah, and there are some really interesting initiatives and there have been historically some really interesting initiatives and there's also some really good evidence of the beneficial impact of 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 those initiatives and I think what we've tried to do with the report and with the kind of process of producing the report is really to try to kind of bring as many people together who are interested in this to kind of generate some energy to ensure that those initiatives aren't kind of one-offs or small pockets, but are, are um, you know, across the prison estate and that, you know, prison leaders kind of want to be seen to be championing the idea of, of food as a, as a focal point within their, um, within their prisons. And I think um, we, it, it's a way of hopefully, we hope, you know, uniting people um, in the, um, and open up new opportunities, share best practice and strengthen the evidence base, to be honest, because I think, as I said, you know, there is research going on, there has been research going on there. I think there's a very strong indicators of the value of doing this kind of work on all sorts of aspects of, of prison life that, that we touched on earlier um, in terms of, you know, mental well-being and agency and um, as well as, you know, skills, um, etc. And, and really kind of giving people a purpose. Um, so <clears throat> I think yeah that that's what we were really aiming for and you know even in this even in the context of scarce resources it might be possible to bring in resources from elsewhere if we kind of shift this idea of food just being something that's provided um as a function that funders might be interested in you know trying to um work more in this space for example and um we also th- thought about like how can you ensure that there's um you know a bit more of an incentive for um for people to kind of act in this space and and i think that's about again sort of shifting shifting people's thinking in relation to scrutiny functions like the inspectorate and the independent monitoring boards who go in and check that the food is you know the right quality and um volume and you know ask people what they think about the food that's provided but actually if they started asking different questions i think that would 
you know, provide a bit of an impetus for um, for a greater range of activity. That's a really interesting point. Yeah, it's just providing a few different questions for the scrutiny that's already happening in prison. Mm. Again, it's just like changing that lens on something that already is yeah. does exist within the food within the prison system. You were just saying that you kind of saw this process as something that could like help share best practice with regards to food in prisons, strengthen the evidence base of like the value mm-hmm. of food work within prisons, and perhaps in- incentivize funders who are working in this space to fund food because there there are links to like broader impacts beyond just feeding people. Mm-hmm. I was wondering if, whether for you this report had any other significance, or just generally what you see the significance of this report being. I just think it's actually interesting that although there have, you know, there have been these initiatives and there is thought given to, you know, how to work more creatively with food within the budget. And, um, you know, there is a lot of activity happening, but I don't think it's really been brought together, you know, in one place before in the way that we have done. And and it and it's also about like valuing everybody's contribution to this and thinking about how we can, um, you know, make it part of everybody's consciousness is the word that we used earlier and I think you know there are real opportunities for kind of peer support activities for example around health and around um, nutrition um, and um, and that I think the I it's really to kind of breathe a bit of energy I suppose into <clears throat> into how how food is viewed um, and we think that there's a real opportunity so there are you know in terms of policies which I suppose is partly what we're trying to influence as well as people's kind of thinking um there are policies around what food needs to be provided and there are international standards around that and there are national standards around that um but we think that there's an opportunity you know to embed um embed food in health and well-being policies in um in policies related to um substance use for example um drugs and alcohol um in policies um related to um kind of you know broader public health initiatives um and and to make sure that and and, you know estate planning for you know we're expanding the prison estate in this country for better or worse that is the trajectory that we're on and there's an opportunity to really think, you know, differently about the sorts of spaces that are being built um, to make them um, supportive of possible of the kind of growth of um, <clears throat> food initiatives in prison. Yeah, I know the report touches upon that, doesn't it? And um, like that kind of provides a recommendation that new prison estates have space for self-catering built within them. Yeah, and it happens in other jurisdictions as well. You know, some places they have much smaller um, accommodation units and they have a shop and they um, are given a budget. And that's something that's part of their kind of weekly life as it would be on the outside. And um, there's there's a lot of evidence that that kind of more normalised um, regime is actually beneficial in terms of reducing reoffending after release. Yeah, you said this earlier, you kind of... Um... You, you brought it back to the point of agency, which I guess is what you're describing here, the fact that um, with food you can give people a little bit of agency over their life. And <clears throat> I'm not, I have like very little expertise in the criminal justice system, but it seems logical that if you give people 
like agency and and choice and, and the ability to make decisions that will help on the outside yeah. as well. And I think if you don't if you don't provide those, then it can be a real source of frustration for people, and it can. Um, you know, it's a it's a relatively kind of easy win in terms of being able to enable people to feel a sense of purpose, to plan for something in their day, um, you know, look forward to what they might be preparing um, rather than the kind of maybe unknown of what's being prepared for you. And, yeah, the, I think the, the kind of wider benefits of that are, um, are really interesting to consider. And I think, you know, there's, as I said, I started out by talking about, you know, how it's important to get a balance. And I think that that that's a kind of case in point that it's it's been seen as a kind of nice to have and as a privilege that you should be able to prepare um, food for yourself in prison. But actually, what why? Why do we why do we feel like that? Is it what's the kind of mindset that means we don't think that there should be that more normalized environment around food? Um in prison settings i'm not i'm not really sure um whether there's a fundamental reason why it shouldn't happen or whether it's really just the mindset that people have got in about what prison life should be should be like can you expand on that a little bit more i think i mean going back to what i was saying around how food has in the past been used in prison systems in um to deprive people um so there's kind of this sentiment both in the public but also probably then that um, you know impacts on decision making more generally um, when we're talking about building prisons or um, catering functions or wh- whatever um, that you know it shouldn't be a luxury uh, that you know that's that kind of um, um, adage around prisons shouldn't be a holiday camp um, so there's this t- tension there that if we do something nice in terms of making the food better or providing more opportunities to share food or use food in a different way, um, then we're making them too soft, I suppose, um, rather than seeing the wider value in, you know, the culture, the life, the agency, and the benefits of that for society in terms of, um, you know, harm, um, reducing harm in future, you know, as well as within the prison establishments, where, as I said, food can be a real source of of tension yeah so it's like about moving the narrative away from food as something that couldn't be punishing almost to something that like has longer term harm reduction that must often be like the difficult you're up against when you're working with prisons and narratives around prisons right like rehabilitation versus punishment yeah and I've been really taking a step back recently and trying to sit understand you know those really kind of those real fundamental gut drivers for some of these things that are quite knotty and difficult to move the dial on um and I think that that is what it comes down to to a degree but it, I mean it's also you know practic- pragmatically it's you know it it's food expensive and it's becoming much more expensive and in that sense there's there are limits to um you know how creative even the most creative um catering managers can be um, in terms of what they're providing, um, you know, inflation has had a huge impact on everybody's food costs, but um, it has had a really significant impact on on um, on prison budgets, um, on prison food. Sorry, because um, yeah, the procurement um, side of it 
um, is a real challenge, um, particularly when you're not producing your own food, which you could potentially be doing much more cheaply than when you're trying to rely on external providers. Yeah, I did read that in the report that um, might be <laughs> misquoting it here, but uh, that in the 60s or 70s, the prison estate was basically self-sufficient in like in eggs, things. bacon, yeah. yeah, things that could be like produced on a, on mm. a, like, on a farm. Something you said there as well, it just made me think, um, linked back to something you were saying earlier about the emotiveness of food, like it is such an emotive thing. And like mm. you're right in, in the face at the moment of like spiraling food costs, people feel emotional about food in all kinds of directions. Mm. And if it's something they're struggling to afford themselves, I guess um, that's not always yes. going to make people yeah. feel sympathetic to like yeah. changing food systems within prisons. Yeah, well, I think none of this, a lot of this stuff can happen without really kind of significant change, really, because I think it's about belief and agency and creativity and actually possibly doesn't need an awful lot of resource, but needs just more lateral thinking around how do we do the things that we're doing anyway, in a way that involves, you know, food becoming more of a focal point becoming more central to our thinking and I think the other things would then follow because I think if people are thinking about it more then as I said you know there's maybe more likely to be funding there are more champions more people saying oh we think things need to be different and then it's easier for things to happen if it's just one or two people then it's much harder for um you know movements or initiatives to kind of take to take root um and you know there are some governors who champion this there are you know some education providers in prison who are doing this but it but it's not something that's pervading um practice um yet but watch this space yeah well as we're drawing to a close that was one of the things i wanted to ask what do you think the best case scenario could be with this prison's briefing i'm really hopeful we've had some really encouraging conversations and i think it's opened people's minds it's started people thinking it's um it's enabled us to start having conversations that um, with all sorts of different people with inspectorates, with um, independent monitoring boards, with various different departments in HMPPS um, and with voluntary sector organisations, with individual prisons and um, to sort of, yeah, think collectively about how we can change things. And I think if you can get it embedded into a range of policies, as I suggested, and I don't think that that is would be very very difficult thing to do um then it will start that kind of cultural change um if people are you know talking about it more thinking about it more and as as we've said previously you know becoming more conscious um then i think there's a real chance of of this being really impactful i'm really um i'm really encouraged by the conversations that we've had so far and i'm really yeah I'm excited about what might what it might um what it might lead to. It's mm-hmm. quite rare to find kind of something new. <laughs> it's not and I know it's not new. It's not new, but it's it's a new way of thinking about things. And um you know, I've been working in this field for 25 years and actually it's you know it's something where that you can get some real energy behind it, I think. And um it can, you know, provide a bit of light in these really difficult times, I think. Um so yeah, I'm I'm very hopeful. That's so nice. Thanks, Gemma. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess just that process of like bringing together people 
so many people with different experiences and perspectives on um, food in prisons into report that does feel quite quite new and exciting um, yeah, and but, and and, and the, the good thing about it is that everybody gets it because everybody, you know, it's, there aren't that many people who don't enjoy eating. <laughs> it's too, it's such a powerful, if you're trying to galvanise change, it's actually a great way to start. So it's Food Matters who kind of, I think, kicked off the process for the report. And when not writing briefings about um, about food <laughs> in prison, Food Matters are delivering like nutritional workshops within prisons and kind of, I think, supporting prisoners to make better food choices. Because Food Matters work is not just in prisons, I think it is able to kind of bring its expertise in wider food systems. And it's it's about like lateral thinking, really, about, you know, for, as, as we've said, in it's a huge part of everybody's lives and diet and nutrition is a big consideration in other aspects of kind of community life and, and social life. And I think the fact that it isn't in prisons is really interesting in a way because it is so pervasive everywhere else. And, and, um, and so it's how do you kind of bring that learning um, to a new space? Um, and, you know, it, we do know that there is there's lots of activity that has happened um and is happening but it's it's not enough to kind of change the culture and it's not been enough thus far for for food to, to become a um you know higher higher in people's consciousness in terms of its value um to all sorts of aspects of, of life in prison yeah again that's something that the prison the report touches upon isn't it that there already are these, there already are like brilliant voluntary sector organisations and groups working within prisons on food, but it can't like isolate it, it can't go far <clears> enough, like be it within the prison itself or like beyond an individual prison and into like wider mm. prison reform. And well, thank you, Gemma. And um, if people want to find out more about the work that you do, where can we go to find out more about Do It Justice? You can contact me on Gemma at doitjustice.co.uk. I'm always very happy to receive an email and, and have a conversation. Thanks, Gemma. It's been brilliant chatting to you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Savouring Change. If you want to find out more about the Food Matters in Prisons report, make sure to head over to the Food Matters website, which is in the show notes. If you're looking for ways that you can save a change within Brighton and Hope, then make sure to visit our website where you can find our directory and find out all about the community food projects and work that's happening within our city.